Live! Coming to you live from the Every Tribe Denomination and Tongue Convention. This is My Seminary Life, and I'm your host, Brandon Knight. Gentlemen, it's good to be with you. Good to be with all of you out in streaming land. That's not TV land. I'm your host, Brandon Knight. I don't know if I've said that yet. Uh, I am from Not Around Here, and it has been great hanging out with all of you lovely Southern folks, although earlier I did do a Southern accent to be a jerk, and I realized (laughs) that's not going to fly around here, but thank you for your warm hospitality, and you're great. I had some sweet tea yesterday. It was really good. Had a delicious breakfast this morning. I'm having a great time so far. I have some cheer wine also here. Um, I've heard this is a thing. We have this up north. I don't know if I've ever had it before, but you know, it's it's like the YouTube thing right now, so I have to try it live here, right? Right. So yeah. Here, yeah, we, yeah. here we go. Okay. It was described to me <laughs> as um, cherry medicine. Yeah, it's, uh-huh. it's a it's a little bit like in the back, a little bit of like medicine right now, which is fine. It's good though. I like it. Are you yeah. getting the, the okay. of cheer and wine? I feel very cheerful. It is, um, that has Lutheran roots. So Doesn't the owner uh, and creator of cheer wine is from Salisbury, North Carolina. And I used to get that drink when I was at camp uh, okay. at Luther Ridge up in the North Carolina mountains. And so, yes, as, as you're sitting in a Lutheran church right now, drinking a Lutheran created drink. So I'm very proud of you. You're welcome, Martin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do I think of cookout? Oh yeah, we don't have that, uh, Christian nationalism restaurant up north, uh, but it was very good. It was very good. I had a I had a cheddar bacon dog. Is that what we got? It was a yeah. cheddar bacon dog and like a fudge banana milkshake or you something went to like that. Cookout and you didn't get a tray. I, I told him to. I just didn't get one. It sounded good though, so I was like, I'll take that one. Then he explained like the tray thing later. I was like, oh, I guess that did make more sense. Chicken but, nuggets as a side. Yeah, chicken nuggets as a side. Corn dog as a side. What are you talking about? Corn dogs. You can get four quesadillas. Quesadillas. Yeah. yeah. There's so many weird things on this menu. Yeah, Comes with a Bible verse and also the reminder that God loves America. <laughs> Amen. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> it, really? it says thank God for America on every cup. Yeah. Love it. We don't see that because we just get the cups all the time. We don't, we don't read our cups. <laughs> but I... I I, but all that to say, I'm very excited to be here. This was all made possible thanks to some generous donations from MSL listeners. So since this is the episode that's going on MSL, I want to once again thank Brian K., Timothy K., Curtis M., and Derek O. for donating to make this all possible, particularly so that way I could fly out here and not have to pay a lot of gas money. Um, but thank you guys once again for donating and supporting the show. We're here to talk about diverse Theology. I'm going to run down all of the guests. This is the most amount of guests I have ever had on one single episode of MSL. I'm going to start on the far side and work my way down back. I'm going to just say it, guys. Don't worry. Okay. 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 So we have all the way down. I'm working back towards me because everyone else has been on the show already. So we got Pastor Will Rose, our host of the convention to some degree. He's Mm. letting us literally sleep in this room and also uh, host the event here. Pastor Will's been on the show a number of times, usually to hit me with the Lutheran stick, so I know a little bit better the Lutheran side of things. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Thank you. Next up... I pulled a TJ and just said, thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Up next, we have the whole church guys. We got Joshua Knoll and TJ Blackwell. Josh has been on here plenty of times. TJ's been on here at least one other time before to talk about process theology. Um, but guys, welcome back. Thanks. Yeah, the way this started, I thought this was a Drinks with TJ episode. <laughs> Drinks with TJ's episode. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome for such a short introduction. And here to my right, for those of you watching, we have uh, someone who's never been on the show before. This is Christian Ashley, host of the Let Nothing Move You podcast. I got it right. Fact check me. Got better, it right. Better than Joshua. Better than Joshua. Also one of the hosts. <laughs> also one of the hosts over at uh, Systematic Ecology as well. So yeah. thanks for making your debut today. Last but certainly least. Let nothing move you on that. <laughs> <laughs> you can end. No, you can't end. So, so today, all four of these guys, and myself included, 
all come from different theological backgrounds. We have Pastor Wells Lutheran, TJ Pentecostal, uh, Christian coming from the Southern Baptist side of things. Josh is the church unity wild card in the conversation. He is the Uno reverse card here. I'm and that. so I'm all the, the Uno reverse card. <laughs> Joshua is their Uno reverse card. That is so good. Jo- okay, we'll put it yes. on a T-shirt somewhere. Josh yes. is the Uno reverse card. He's Pastor Wells making a note of it. And so what I have here, as I plugged in yesterday's like intro uh, live stream is that you know you go on a website you got a question you're like i want to learn more but i I need some questions answered you go to the faqs the facts frequently asked questions today i have a list of fats frequently assumed things i'm going to be asking each one of you guys they're kind of like questions some of them are statements things that people assume about your particular particular camp whether it's lutheran pentecostal you get the idea. Um, I've got a bunch of them here. We probably won't get to all of them here today, but we're going to start off with one for everybody. And since Christian has the mic, we're just going to start here with Christian. This is for everybody. What is a teaching that you heard from another group that surprised you? The first time, like maybe you were exploring the world outside of the Southern Baptist Convention and you've heard about Methodists for the first time or <laughs> what, what say you, what was something that you, for the, the first time you heard it was surprising? I'd say that one of the things that surprised me immensely was the idea of annihilationism and the, the disbelief in hell in some groups that really threw me for a loop. It's like, how could you think that? And gosh, that there are people they got their arguments for it. Mm-hmm. Can't say I agree, but I, they've got their arguments. There are some strong arguments, and I think some of them are even rooted within like the church fathers' teachings yes. as well. Like yeah. the annihilationism isn't like some new construct. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the first time, you know, I like raised Pentecostal. My whole family's Pentecostal. The first time I went to a not Pentecostal church, I was like probably thirteen. Uh, so just seeing everybody in this Baptist church, uh, sit down and stay down. Oh, yeah. Okay. As, as God intended. <laughs> as God intended. <laughs> sit in church? What? That was the okay. most surprising part to me. Okay. And then everything since then is just kind of, you know, different. Sure. I just accept them as differences. Okay. But the sitting down, is that like particularly with worship? Yeah. Okay. Worship part. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. The worship was, was shocking. The worship was shocking. All yeah. right. I feel like I hate to be this guy, but in the flip-flop scenario, it would also be shocking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. It might induce actual shock, though. <laughs> All right. Josh. Dance and sing. Joshua. What surprised you? Basically everything. Um, we've been doing whole church podcast for like four years, so I get surprised at least once a month by someone saying something. Okay. I'm like, huh. Um, you know, first time I heard someone not believe in inerrancy through me, uh, the hell thing through me, the uh, process theology. We've talked about all of those, though. So I'm going to do kind of a different take on this idea. What shocked me that they didn't believe, because... By the way, you pitched this question. No, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uno reverse card. That's why I thought Uno so much about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, so, so what I was shocked that they didn't believe was when we first talked to Catholic believers on our show and learned, uh, yeah, they, they actually don't believe in praying to the saints. They believe in the saints interceding for them. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I was like, wait, so everything we heard about you worshiping these guys? No. And I was like, where do we hear Dead these gum. things? There was a lot of stuff with the Mormons that, that shocked us too because oh, we really? heard all kinds of stuff. That people were like, ask them why they believe this about aliens. And they're like, we've literally never heard that. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to get more into the Mormon side of things for the apologetic series uh, that we did earlier. Um, just did not have the time. That's the convenient part about this new era of the show is that since I don't have any deadlines other than to record, whatever I get done is what I get done. But maybe I'll go dig up that uh, Mormon episode because there is a lot of things that are assumed. That's what about started that our speed round because we, mm. like, we have so many questions people want to know that why you believe this, and so many of the answers were nope. <laughs> nice, <laughs> Pastor Will, take us home. Something that surprised you the first time that you heard it. Joshua, the living Uno reverse card, just took my uh, one. No, but I, growing up as a lifelong Lutheran, you know, we pride ourselves as like 
so often we pro- we provide our you know share what we're not rather than what we are. We're Lutherans. We're not Catholic. We're not the Baptists. We're not this. So so there is that kind of like division there. So as we think through that, when I when I learn more about what the communion of saints meant, that it's not praying to the saints as much as you're in solidarity with the hosts of heaven and those who've gone before you, and you're standing on on um, what they. I guess stood for and shared like that. There's this eternal communion of saints that that widened of that. Also, um, I will say, um, um, I think when I, when I learned like as much as there is a division between Catholics and Lutherans, you know, over you know 500 years, but if I were to join a Catholic church, mm-hmm. um, they would not rebaptize me. That they recognized my baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now I would go, th- I would go through like their new members class and confirmation mm-hmm. and and those kinds of things. But they would not. Re- they acknowledged my baptism as valid. That they would not say you have to get rebaptized in the Catholic Church. Your baptism is valid because it's the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But um, yeah, go through his class, learn about us. Uh, join our church through through the rite of confirmation, sacrament of confirmation, but not necessarily baptism. So that was like, oh, so we are we are unified more than probably what we think. That's interesting. Okay, I got a bonus one. Okay, I'm gonna pull a Christian and cheat. There you go. They uh, it it surprised me to learn what the early church thought about Genesis one and how it was impossible for that to be literal. Oh, that threw me for a loop. <laughs> we we everybody loves Augustine until you start reading what he wrote. Well, about not Genesis. just Augustine, but like Jerome. Yeah. Uh, that, like there, say, was it John of Christian? I don't know. There yeah. was there was a lot that were like, "There's just no way this is literal." It's allegorical. And that was just like it's from the beginning. The church was like, "No, how could this possibly be taken literally?" Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was true. funny. That surprised I, me. That is a, that is an interesting one because I mean I have even heard in preaching classes, "Don't do an Augustine." <laughs> <laughs> like that is something I have heard before. Or lean in hard to Right. Yeah. Right. Let's do when that. it comes to total Martin depravity, Luther, that's when you lean in hard to Augustine. Yeah, it's yeah. total depravity, but no, don't don't <laughs> preach like the guy. All right. I'm glad TJ has the mic because you're gonna get our first very specific assumed thing. You're a Pentecostal. Yeah. Born and raised, apparently. Yeah. Good we for have you. Snakes. <laughs> that's not that caught me off. That caught me off guard. Um, okay. So it is assumed that you have to speak in tongues to show you are filled with the Spirit. You have to speak in tongues. Yeah, so there are definitely some churches that believe that. Okay. Yeah, but uh, denominationally, we don't. That's that's not what we believe. We believe it is proof, if you speak in tongues, that is proof that you've been sanctified. Okay. But it's not the only. it's not the only proof. Not the only proof. Okay. So denominationally, like at large, at large, no. no. But there are you'll find like pockets here and there. Yeah. It, so it's like if you have spoken in tongues, then you have been sanctified. But it's not okay. you have to speak in tongues to have been sanctified. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Josh, I will allow you to have a very brief comment on it if you would like, since you are also Pentecostal. Yeah, teacher's pretty right there. Pretty right there. Okay. A lot of them think that's. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, everyone will be will speak in tongues initially, but that might not be one of your ongoing gifts. Okay. Is something that gets taught occasionally. A lot of people do think initially you will have to, but it okay. kind of goes organization by organization in the Pentecostal church. A lot okay. of them think, no, that that is a gift. We believe in that gift, but not it doesn't have to be the proof. That's what a lot of them will say. Gotcha. But so, there are some that think initially you have to have that proof, but maybe it won't last. You'll have some other gift afterwards, which Interesting. I've never from, heard that one yeah. before. Yeah. That's different. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty common, I think. Is that pretty common? Like, it will pass, but you'll have another gift yeah. show up. Interesting. Okay, I've never heard that before. Learning and growing. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hearing rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on next. Let's get the mic down to Pastor Will. I feel bad because he's the actual pastor, so I have like actual questions for him. Although, although there's no hierarchy. There's no hierarchy of Christians. Although uh, I will say to <laughs> wrestle with the question of speaking in tongues, uh, maybe more so particularly for guys like Christian and I who come from more of like the Baptist, very conservative world. That was a very good answer, I think. Of yep. like you articulated that very clearly, 
And like I would personally agree with you on what you said there. Thank you. But Pastor Will, yeah, you you not only do you come from the Lutheran side of things, you also come from. Is it safe to say a little bit more of the like liberal side, a little bit more on certain things? Yeah, it depends on what brand of Lutheranism you're talking about, okay. because every denomination within it has its own spectrum of conservative and, and, and liberal. So, you know, Episcopalians and Anglicans, you know, Episcopalians yeah. are liberal, Anglicans are conservative. Presbyterians have their version of... Um, liberal and um, conservative. Lutherans have the same. So in terms of, as I scoot in <coughs> and cough off mic, um, yeah, my particular Lutheran denomination is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, ELCA, okay. which is the largest denomination in America, but it's also probably the most progressive and liberal left-leaning um, denomination. There are other Lutheran brands out there, Missouri Synod, Wisconsin Synod, and others who tend to be more conservative when it comes to social issues, political issues, women in ministry, those kinds of things. Okay. Okay. Josh, do you have something you want to say there? Can I do a follow-up question? Just really... I haven't even answered the, well, asked the question. Well, Before let me, you let answer me, the question, me, can I, do, I have to I, ask I have a it. pre-question then. <laughs> no. No pre-questions. <laughs> it, it, was, it, was it was about your liberal thing, though. Yeah. Josh, what do you want to do? Ask a question. Oh! You have an Uno so, reverse card in your wallet? Yeah, Christian just has like a reverse card in his pocket. Um, but Pastor Will, so a lot of people assume like SBC and that, like those churches are like the only ones that are like um, Southern Baptist Convention are the only ones that are like self-governing. But I, my understanding is a lot of the Lutheran church does have a lot of like leeway of, there are some doctrines like you can disagree about within your denomination even, right? Or am I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That um, as you were just saying that there's uh, TJ was saying there's particular individual congregations that may lean harder into like tongues than others within the Lutheran Church. Um, although we're unified under like the ELCA, um, certain teachings. We have a bishop. We have a synodical bishop. We you know we're we're unified that way. But there are congregations tend to be in of themselves their own personalities. So there could be some ELCA. Lutheran congregations that are more conservative than, say, the one we are on the doorstep of, like, University of North Carolina. So we're in a very progressive liberal um, town and area with the university here, but say there's a—could be a church in Hickory, North Carolina, that that in terms of its culture and its history, that it could be more conservative than we are. And there's some leeway on that. So, the, like, with all things, you know, um, there's commonality in what we agree upon and believe, and then there's— interpretations of the Bible and social issues, political issues, those kinds of things. And boy, howdy, did that happen during the pandemic and uh, <laughs> with the election of 2016 and 2020. Yeah, yeah. There, hey, you know, if you want to hear some of Pastor Will's thoughts on uh, COVID and being in ministry during the pandemic, yeah. we actually talked about that back in February. He gave us the three things that he learned from ministering Fantastic during the episode. pandemic pandemic great, great questions. and we uh, also talked a lot about the simpsons as well because <laughs> we did it's inevitable, it's inevitable. <laughs> as you do but hey Excellent. here's your actual question okay okay Thanks. it is assumed it is assumed you have to be baptized as a baby to be saved because you do baby yeah. baptisms right we do baby baptisms bb baby no uh <laughs> no uh yeah we do infant baptism and this uh one of the sacraments of the lutheran church is is holy baptism so we have holy communion holy baptism Catholic Church has seven. You can go back and read Luther's explanation of why he thought it was just two rather than seven. Uh, earthly element, command of Jesus, biblical, those kinds of things, why Luther leaned into uh, the sacrament. So yeah, and, and Luther was a firm believer that the church as a whole didn't start in 1518, uh, that there, there's 1,500 years of church history and an infant baptism. So he wasn't ready to say there are 1,500 years of like non-Christians who were never baptized because they're baptized as babies. So he was like, mm -hmm. he, he shared that kind of thought. So we believe in infant baptism because we believe it's a sign of God's grace, something that God is doing rather than what the person is doing. Later on in life, uh, we have the rite of confirmation, Mm -hmm. When they become teenagers, a little older, or or uh, an age where they can make decisions on their own, then they go before the church and confirm their faith and make public profession to own their own baptism. See, yeah, I was baptized. Now I say I I claim baptism as as my own and I take ownership of it. So that's kind of 
baptism okay. uh, confirmation. But okay. yes, we do believe baptism, infant baptism, is efficacious, uh, and um, we don't necessarily believe that if you're not baptized or even a baby's not baptized and then like they pass away that they're going to burn in hell or be in like purgatory or like limbo um that god's grace extends beyond that mm -hmm. but there is this kind of supernatural grace thing that happens in baptism kind of a both end okay. uh, but also responsibility and but there are members of the lutheran church you know those who aren't like as steeped in in the theology as say someone who went to seminary or or those kind of things who will you know not come to church for a long time they have a baby and they're like, oh, I got to get this baby baptized because that's what we're supposed to do. Or I want it to not like not uh, suffer and go to hell one day or something. So they, they see baptism as like fire insurance. Um, <laughs> I would I would correct that and say like, no, I, I believe God's grace extends beyond even the waters of baptism. But what you're doing in the sacrament of baptism is that you're drawing, not only is it something God is doing, but you're also immersing them into a faith community where the faith community is also promising to raise them in the Christian faith and say, we support you and we'll guide you. So, so, um, so yeah, so there's kind of okay. both end of community, family, God's grace, all those things happening all, all at once during okay. the sacrament of baptism. That, yeah, it is, um, it is a part of the salvation process. Is it okay. the only part? Is it like, oh, they could just get baptized and the rest of their life never think about God for the rest of their life? There's like, no, no, no. I wouldn't. Okay. I would say there's a there is an element of discipleship, conversion, responsibility okay. that goes hand in hand with baptism. But baptism is a part of the the recipe of, okay. of salvation, okay. not the only element of or, or like ingredient for salvation, but a part of it. All right. Well, as the there might be other Lutheran. Sure. Theologians, I don't. I, again, I don't speak for all of Lutheranism or sure. all of Christendom, <laughs> or there may be some Lutheran theologians who disagree with me. But I think, okay. and my take on that in terms of how we interpret it and practice here at, at Holy Trinity, I mean, mm -hmm. is that it's a part part of that process. Okay. Well, as the mic starts to work its way down here to Christian, I do want to circle back to something you touched on briefly there. Of this has come up before of. All these, you, we have this idea about Martin Luther that he was like total rage against the machine, rebel against everything. And we've talked about it before when we talked uh, church calendar stuff of like, he had his, he clearly had his pet peeves. He had his 95 thesis, <laughs> but he didn't want to toss everything out. So I found, I find that interesting about the baby baptism element yeah. of like, I don't want to say that everyone who's been baptized for the past 1500 years didn't count. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. All right. Christian. Yes. Hello. 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 Uh, you, sir, are a Southern Baptist. Allegedly. Allegedly. You go to the Southern Baptist school, though. Oh, absolutely. You're at, uh, that is provable. That is provable. Okay. You are at the Southern Baptist, the, the, the home of the Southern Baptist, um, with a great discount. Oh, absolutely. They have a great discount. Um, so I'm going to give you uh, the range, the range of these questions, my friends. It is assumed alcohol is evil. Well, that's because it is. That's because it is. Yes. From the beginning of time, alcohol. God designed it to be evil. God designed it. <laughs> Everything was good except for those Prove two it. down okay. there. <laughs> Prove it from the Bible. Well, because Jesus, you never see him turning any water into wine. It's water into grape juice, as is the original <laughs> translation. Yeah, which, the original creature. Because I know that it comes from a place, a very legalistic place, of the idea of, hey, drunkenness is a terrible thing. It can mm -hmm. destroy families. It can destroy churches and sure. stuff like that. So how do we handle that? And, well, you have your ultra-conservatives who say, well, if we remove it completely, mm -hmm. then there is no issue at all. Forgetting the fact that people will always do what they want to do, which is some people, even when we had prohibition, what did we have? We had moonshiners. Moonshine runners. You know what? Because it became profitable. Because people still wanted alcohol, mm -hmm. even though it can be really dangerous. It can cause mm -hmm. harm. But... It can also be enjoyed. I don't partake. Mm -hmm. I hate the taste of alcohol. Sure. Um, I mean, we talked last night about the first time I ever tried beer after I turned 21. I thought beer was supposed to be sweet. No one had ever told me that. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a rude awakening. <laughs> what kind of beer did you drink? Oh, it was... No, it was... There was, there was a Dos Equis, a okay. Blue Moon, and like Irish something. Yeah, I'd, Like a Guinness or something? I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, what is wrong? Guinness was the one that saved me on beer. That was <laughs> I was finally like, hey, something actually tastes. 
something actually coffee. tastes good. Yeah, yeah like coffee. Good. It was yeah. like but the first one. And- yeah, the idea of like, what is wrong with my taste buds that I'm not sure. tasting the sugar here? And one of my friends was making fun of me. He just said, you look like you just walked in and your wife's sleeping with your best friend. Oh, I've gosh. never seen a man look so betrayed <laughs> in his life. betrayed me. But like, yeah, I, yeah. if a wine, wine was offered to me before I signed my contract for four mm-hmm. years where I can't partake at all, yeah, yeah. I, I would drink a white wine. Okay. But like red wine can't do it. But sure. like, as far as the SBC is concerned, like once again, it comes from that place of let's remove it completely. Therefore, nothing bad will happen, which is a terrible way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I but mean, you that's get. Why you I stopped eating, so I can't. Oh, yeah. Gluttony. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, gluttony is not a sin. Not, oh. not in the SBC. I get it. You believe that gluttony is a sin, Joshua? What? You believe that gluttony is a sin? I have an entire long As theological he thing slowly. about gluttony and drunkenness in the Bible. Say yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Boom. Uh, Boom. I should, I, should, I should explain that Uno reverse I have in my wallet. Yeah. It's, um, one of my brother's friends pulled it on him once, and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. So I will do that with an argument with my sister. <laughs> Just slam it down. There's no response to that. <laughs> Unless you have one of your own. And I've yet to meet that out in the wild. That would be great. Something out of the wild like that. Let's uh, get the mic down to Josh. Josh is going to be answering a question here in a second. But uh, you do see this a lot within the uh, evangelical SBC, more conservative side of the world. Um, And I like this spectrum that we have here today of you have the one side who's very much be ye holy for I am holy. And the other side that's very much uh, is for freedom of Christ to set you free. And we overcorrect one way or another, I think because of the, um, just because of the context of American Christianity, we probably hear a little bit more about your world of overcorrecting and, you know, alcohol is evil, women, everything. Like, you know, we have all, all evil things, all evil just things, women? apparently. <laughs> women, yes, they know what they do, apparently. Um, but like the idealness the ideal situation is to actually be like in that middle of where we are embracing grace and holiness at the same time. But I guess great. But I guess you know it was grape juice. So yeah, it was whatever. Josh, Josh, uh, you insisted on having some church unity questions. I like to think of myself as the avatar of the church. Um, rather than mastering the four elements, I'm just going to master all the denominations. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, my goal. <laughs> so please give us Call an exposition about what on, happened please. after the Great Schism to the Orthodox Church, because we like totally stopped talking about them after that. <laughs> they I'm became kidding, way more awesome. <laughs> they became more, more. <laughs> They're right, so, so much your, fun. <laughs> the assumption for you as the Avatar is that you believe in uniformity as unity. You want all of these different traditions to basically go away and we all act the same. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, no. All right. So now if we get the mic over back to pass. Or, are you... No. So I, um, no, and. No, and. I, uh, I, I think. That's terrible improv. <laughs> going through, <laughs> going through the Bible, going through the creeds, Unit and again, this is this is why I agree with TJ about Thomas Aquinas. Hooray! You're all welcome. He said it right for the first time this week. I hate how he says that. I just hate the pronunciation of his name. But well, you can let him know when you get to heaven. Part of his role, part of his role, and a lot of the Church of the Middle Ages was shifting this view that we had of salvation, where the Church believed that what salvation was was you entering the Church. Okay. You're saved, so now you're part of the body of the church. Okay. And then the church will one day go to heaven. They changed it. We're like, well, what if we just got rid of that middle part, and now it's about your salvation. You have a personal relationship with God, even though the Bible never says anything about personal relationship. Okay. It says work out your own salvation is what a lot of people use. Not ignoring the part that that's talking to an entire group of people, and it's the plural you. Okay. Yeah, there there isn't this personal salvation thing. Southern doesn't exist. Y'all. Yeah, it was a southern y'all, yeah. But... <laughs> That doesn't exist in the Bible. It doesn't exist in church history until people like Thomas Aquinas decided to, to ruin our theology. Um, <laughs> but ruin our theology that, and also be the entire linchpin to our apologetics. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, <laughs> no, but but that is well, that's one thing the Catholic Church has very correct. I mean, look at the Apostles' Creed. Look at the Nicene Creed. 
all of it is very much the one church, the Catholic church, the universal mm-hmm. so being you, that is the church. So you do want uniformity then? No. Okay. Because if you look at before <laughs> people like Thomas Aquinas, the church had tons of different sects, tons of different beliefs, tons of different ideas. There was actually a break before then, like you mentioned, with the Greek Orthodox Church yeah. even. And even they kind of have this agreement now-ish. That's a whole thing. But we are able to be unified, talk about salvation being we're all together, and disagree. We were able to do that for okay. at least a thousand years. Okay. And now we are so focused on the individual salvation. Mm-hmm. We've become so camp and tribal focused. We've become so, like we mentioned yesterday, churches talk about competitors being other yeah, churches. Not my like, favorite. By all means, Christian, let's disagree about alcohol. Christian, let's disagree about women being priests. That's awesome. I don't think Christian would ever turn down if we were in town, maybe like, hey man, you want to hang out? He's, he's going to do it every time. If I say, hey, let's go to a church together. We went to uh, the Orthodox Church together because that's what unity looks like, not mm-hmm. agreeing with each other, but being one despite it. Okay. I think if you look at Jesus' words and really think about it logically, Jesus prayed that the church be one, and he said that they'll know you by your love for one another. The church wouldn't stand out if the reason we loved each other is because we all agreed. Mm-hmm. Everyone does that. We're at UNC Chapel Hill. It's not some big thing that everyone's surprised and wants to go to Chapel Hill because all the fans agree that their team's cool. Everyone does that. That's easy. What's and what's intoxicating about the church, what's appealing about the church, like the actual church, is that he likes Duke, he loves Carolina Tar Heels, and they love each other. That's what's powerful about the church. <laughs> and that's where there's this difference of unity and uniformity. I'm big on theology. I'm big on let's have guiding principles. We have principles with the Anazal podcast ministry we came up with. Mm-hmm. But I think a large part of our principles need to be how do we have unity while we disagree, not here's what you have to believe. Okay. We're going to come back to that theology part, but if we could start get, getting the mic towards Will there for our next assumption. I have this worry... Um, and this is a whole conversation for another time, that uh, on this I do agree mostly about the Aquinas (laughs) stuff, Uh, particularly with this issue of personal, the emphasis on the personal salvation. And I'm a tad bit worried, and maybe this is wrong for me to say because I'm not fully part of this group, that I'm a tad bit worried that that is also happening within deconstruction. Now, deconstruction is a very personal thing, And I think you have to handle it on a person-by-person basis. But sometimes the way that people talk about deconstruction and reconstruction, it does sound a little bit more, not everybody, but certain people, a little bit more of this individualistic, this is what I want to believe, you know. And that's a whole conversation for another day, but just this continuation of hyper-individualism where we can have a variety of flavors within the supermarket of the Christian pop aisle. I don't know where I was going with that. We've been hanging out at like a store with like soda pops. All right, let's go back to Pastor Will. Yeah, I had a um, uh, a theologian uh, professor in seminary, and she said, you know, set the buffet for for the theology, but you don't put kitty litter on the buffet. (laughs) And so that was her way of saying like, good theology, bad theology. And she wouldn't necessarily, you know, talk about like, you know, what she classified as kitty letter. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I'll say also, like, going back to um, Aquinas, that, like, there was a movement in medieval theology to move from, like, early church fathers' um, kind of uh, Hebrew-Jewish understanding of spirituality to, like, more Greek philosophy. And so that movement that they were doing, kind of scholastic philosophy, Greek philosophy, uh, merging with it had some gifts for for Christian theology, but but they leaned super hard into that, and that was even part of the Reformation was this kind of split of Luther going like, are we doing scholasticism and mm-hmm. and like logic and philosophy and Greek, or are we studying like the original words of Jesus here yeah. that are, have its roots in 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 Hebrew um, Jewish religion? So I think there's even that kind of tension within uh, Aquinas and the Catholic Church that recognizes that, but but yeah, and also. Um, within the creeds themselves, the Apostles' Creed is a creed used at baptism where we say, I believe in God the Father. Mm-hmm. A lot of eyes. Mm-hmm. I believe. This is what I believe. But the Nicene Creed uses we intentionally. Mm-hmm. This is what the church believes. We believe in one God, the Father, my creator of heaven and earth. So we believe in Jesus. So there's within Christendom and the creeds we use for the church, there's both an I, 
is what I believe Anna we the church believes. And I think they both should hang out in the same room together and have a, a beer or grape juice or um, Coke or... Cheer wine. Cheer wine. Cheer wine. Cheer wine. For sure. Hold on to it. You're next. He's, the church is made up of individuals. So we're not getting rid of individuals. But it's not about you. That's Sometimes it's about... No. We? <laughs> it's about we. It's about we. Yeah, yeah. There we go. We! All right. Back to Will. Softball question. I feel it coming. You feel it coming. I feel a softball question. This is going to be super easy. One word answer. It's one of those where you're like, much like the speaking in tongues, you're like very specifically like someone who can speak to this assumption. Sure. Um, Your church is compromised. We agreed that was a good word to use here. Your church is compromised because you are LGBTQ plus affirming. Right. So, yeah, so the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, as I mentioned earlier, is one of the more um, kind of left-leaning, uh, progressive, liberal denominations when it comes to, like, Christian denominations. And so uh, we've been pretty vocal in this church itself. Holy Trinity have been a affirming safe place for those who identify as LBGTQ uh, plus um, identities. And I think to acknowledge... Um, yeah, there are definitely those who say we are compromised, we're not really Christian because we believe this certain thing, or we, um, we're not being biblical because that's not what the Bible says. Um, I think as, as um, me personally, I'm probably in a different place than I was, say like 20-year-old Will, seminarian Will, early pastor Will to 50-year-old Will um, have grown and progressed and thought and evolved on this subject over over the years and become more affirming um, as, as a person and also claiming, you know, ELCA as my denomination that where I do ministry. Um, and so if you want more conversation around that, because I know this is, is hard, this question is a very complex question that's not tweetable. It's, it's more of a relationship and a conversation about how we interpret scripture, where we see the history of the church, how we understand human sexuality, how we understand gender. All those things is not an easy, like, tweetable answer. So if you want to have more conversation about that, let me know. I'd love to hang out over a beer or Coke Zero or whatever you want to drink or coffee. Um, but I think for me personally, I've acknowledged that there is a diversity within Scripture itself over thousands of years. Not that they disagree or that it's a house of cards that you pull one thing and it all falls apart, but I think within Scripture itself, there is a progression and evolution and understanding of God in an expansive, growing way um, of how we understand ourselves in the world, whether it comes to science, human sexuality, um, all those things. So I think within Scripture itself, it has a diversity of how you can interpret Scripture. And so um, if there are, if someone came to me and said like, oh, your church is compromised or you're compromised because of like one verse taken out of context or a clobber verse, I would say, well, let's look at the whole of Scripture. Let's look at all the stories. Let's see what Jesus is doing with who he's hanging out with and having dinner with. Let's look at what Paul is doing when he talks about sin, but also talks about um kind of creation as itself. So I think there's a diversity within the scriptures itself that we can lean into, not just one ver- particular verse taken out of context. How does Luther's idea of reading scripture literally take heart in your um, I, don't I don't know if any of that came through the mic, so... Yeah, so, so Joshua asked, like, what about Luther's own understanding of how to read scripture... Yeah, like how does Luther read scriptures? Similar to Paul. Like, okay, if Paul believed in a literal Adam and Eve, then should I believe in a literal Adam and Eve? If Martin Luther in the 1500s um, believed the Bible a certain way, should I believe the same thing this many years later? I think he was also one who, when he was interpreting scripture, didn't see it as inerrant. Um, he he called scripture as, um, he called the Bible the manger that holds the Christ. And that really the Christ is the Word of God, not the literal words and pages of the Bible themselves. So he acknowledged that when he read the Bible, there were um, not not errors, but there is like, um, you know, it didn't agree all the time. There, they, He called it the manger that had like rusty nails and boards mm-hmm. out of place, but it still held the Christ. Um, so the manger itself isn't perfect, but it holds Christ. So that even himself acknowledged that. Now he did have a high, super high view of scripture, sola scriptura, sure. but but he didn't necessarily, as he was re- translating the Greek uh, and the Hebrew into German of his day, he didn't necessarily call it like um, inerrant that every single word was one hundred percent like accurate in a sense of like when Jesus said, "The mustard seed is the smallest seed." Uh, 
there are other small, there's smaller seeds out there. It was something else. So anyway. Okay. Let's let's get the uh, mic moving this okay. way towards Christian now. I really like how I've lined these two questions up. Um, you'll find out here in a second. Uh, as Pastor Will said, this is an ever ongoing conversation within the church right now, or at least churches who are willing to have an ongoing conversation about this. Uh, a couple months ago on MSL, did a whole episode on the LGBTQ plus community and the church. It was my final paper I had to write for seminary, and I give some of my own theology and philosophical thoughts on where is the church doing well? How can we, can we even be uh, LGBTQ plus affirming, or at least as the way that they uh, would like to be affirmed? So again, if you want some more thoughts on this, there are some episodes, or Pastor Will is very easy to get a hold of to, to talk about as well. So I love, this was completely on accident to have lined these two assumptions up, but coming back now to literally the other side of the table, literally, I should have had you on the right and him over here by me, um, because uh, obviously it is assumed, Christian, that you have to be a Republican to be a Christian. Well, yes, absolutely you do. That's what Jesus states. Uh, he... parents named them that, they had to sign an agreement. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, you don't. And... I pity the person who actually thinks this. Okay. Uh, even as someone, even when I got the right to vote at 18 years old, mm -hmm. when I was making my decision, do I want to be Republican as my very jingoistic conservative self at 18 years old? Sure. Does the Republican Party 100% align with me? Even at 2008, where they're way different than 2023 Republicans sure. right now, the answer was uh, a very big no. Mm. So I've been a registered independent oh, this okay. whole time. So okay. Yeah, I, I, I have really. Still a Christian. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I have. I have taken no side, which means yeah. <laughs> I've taken no side, which means I have no side, and therefore I'm irrelevant. But no, that's what some people will say. But as far as republicanism goes, we've just let it leach into our mm -hmm. churches, and say, well, they're defending these values, and yes, I agree. Some Republicans are defending these values out of place, and that's what we should be doing. Like. I really don't want to see abortion spread. I really don't want to see okay. babies murdered that way. I would like, you know, for certain uh, to to have a certain view of the world where America is like protecting other nations. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. But they're also just as culpable as capable of any human being of falling into sin. There's not one party that is free of sin. Okay. You know, if they were, and we weren't following them, well, we're in the wrong. You know, those people don't exist. There was only one person who was free of sin, mm. and we murdered him two thousand years ago. True. All right. All right. Um, as the mic starts to make its way now to TJ, I do want to say we are coming into the home stretch. Yeah. So we need to answer like TJ. Not answer like TJ, <laughs> but keep it brief because we got one for TJ, one for Josh, and then one more for everybody. So we need to kind of keep this moving. We're almost done here, folks. Um, but yeah, I'm actually a registered Democrat because in the city I grew up in, Nobody ran Republican, so if I wanted to vote at all for local elections, I had to register Democrat, and I've never changed it since then. So. You never told me you don't like Jesus. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody was clearly listening to Christian. All right, TJ, back to the Pentecostal. I did not know this until we were kind of talking things over. I, I knew the speaking in tongues assumption. Uh, I did not know this until we were talking over and we're trying to feel out what are things that people assume. It is assumed that you don't care about education. Like Pentecostals don't care about getting a good education, good theology studies. So elaborate yeah. a little. Yeah. Well, a lot of Pentecostal churches are more focused on the feel, how you feel, how you feel about God, how God makes you feel, how the church makes you feel. Uh, but to say that we don't care about education is simply not true. Okay. At least not anymore. Maybe back in the day. Okay. Is that, would you say, maybe a correction that the church has made yeah. in well, your denomination's history? I, I think a lot of the change comes from uh, a lot of our denomination is astoundingly poor. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that they didn't care about education. It's that they couldn't get educated. Sure. Plus, I think there are some even, like, As Assembly of God, Pentecostal uh, seminaries No, not now. them. They're rich. Not, not the Assembly of God. They're, yeah, the they're assemblies, rich. they're rich. They're rich. Okay. But like, uh, what is it? Lee University? Yeah, Lee University yeah, is they're, uh, Assemblies of God. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. But they can afford it. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. Maybe that wasn't no. a good example. No, no, we're poor Pentecostal. Oh, gotcha. Real poor. Real poor. <laughs> You're taking class, the free classes on the Gospel Coalition website. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. That may have been But we do care. No, but you do so, care. So it's a, lot, you know, it's a lot easier to become educated these days. That's for sure. Not something we just tossed to the side. Gotcha. Gotcha. More of a means issue. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Josh, did you have something you want to weigh towards that? Uh, just two quick things. Um, okay. Pentecostalism basically exists as a intellectual counter to a lot of theology about the gifts of the Spirit ceasing based off of, mm-hmm. you know, 1 Corinthians 13 kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it started as an intellectual disagreement sure. that led to a more feeling-based movement. Okay. Um, also, Wayne Grudem is, was charismatic at one point. I think he still is. So He, uh, he is, actually, yeah. yes. And he wrote the theology book for all conservatives, so yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember where I was reading about that. It was something related for class, I believe. And someone was like, yeah, you got to kind of watch Wayne Grudem a little bit because, you know, he's going to weigh a little bit more towards the charismatic side. After I had just read his book twice from my two other <laughs> systematic theology yeah, classes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Josh, keep that microphone. Okay. All right. It's mine now. Sorry, Christian. Actually, that's my microphone. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> Wait, did Although I get I, you this mic? <laughs> yeah, you bought me that microphone. I like this setup. That's awesome. But that, that works better at my house. Sorry, TJ. <laughs> Question for you. You don't care about theology. Huh. Okay, that's news to me. But again, you're the one who brought this one up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually just started a, an entire podcast about theology that I can't answer any of the questions to because theology is way more complicated than anybody likes to think. Everybody okay. likes to think that their answer is just right. Um, Where does this assumption come from, though? I think it's because I want unity. Everybody thinks I'm just trying to generalize until we find something we agree on. Gotcha. Even some guests have said that even more recently. Where it's like, oh, so we just just go back to we believe in God and that's it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Listen, here's the thing: find the common ground first, uh, then let's build on that conversation. I can't grow my Christian. I'm going to pick on you. I'm sorry. I can't grow my belief about women playing an important part as priests and ministers unless I have conversations with people who disagree with me, like Christian. And I can't have good conversations like that unless we find our common ground and have unity mm-hmm. first. Just like a lot of mission work is done poorly because people are like, oh, well, the the Buddha isn't really God, and we're going to tell them about the real God. No Buddhist believes that Buddha's God. Like, that's right. not a belief they hold. So uh, until you understand the other people's theologies, philosophies, religion, you can't even have good conversations. So I think mm-hmm. in order to have unity, we need to have these conversations. In order to have these conversations, you need to know each other's theology, not just surface level, but deeply. So I think theology is incredibly important. And I'll say real quick that mutual understanding was that we both loved TJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We agreed um, after watching Adventure Time, we came to the the conclusion that Primo in our world is actually the cosmic entity Tiberius One. Absolutely. Mm, yep. Well, come on, grab your friends, and let's start to uh, wrap this episode up then with one <laughs> final. Fantastic. Does that rhyme too? Wow. Yeah, that was uh, great. That was two for one Incredible. on that one. Let's get that mic to... terrible Hebrew poet. Yeah, I am. I am. Shout out to Devotion this morning. Let's get that mic to Pastor Will. Final one. This is for everybody. Here we go. What do you wish other people knew about your camp? After all the generalizations, after all the assumptions, what is something that you would want people to know for certain about your camp that you're a part of? Yeah, I think... Um, in terms of Lutheranism, we're known for um, being in the tradition of like the rage against the machine of the reformer Martin Luther. But I would like people to know, even though we're named Lutheran and it's Lutheranism, Luther hated that term. He was like, "Was did I die for you guys?" He was like in the same vein of like Paul and Peter. It's like you know when Paul was saying like, "Did Peter die for you? Did Paul die for you?" No, Jesus. He wanted to be called evangelical Christian because the Greek word evangelical to spread the good news. So he he um, did not want to actually being called Lutheran. He saw as kind of like a dig and kind of a criticism, and and he rejected that. So you know, as much as we embrace kind of Lutheran, the word as Lutheran identity or Lutheranism. I think knowing that Luther himself was like, I don't see myself as something founded by me, but I'm a part of the whole Catholic evangelical apostolic church, um, and that I'm part of one continuity from Jesus himself, that it's not like a separate church starting something new, but something else. So I think that's that's kind of what what, um, 
what I want people to know. Yeah, we're Lutheran. We don't follow Martin Luther. We follow Jesus. But in the tradition right. of like the reforming movement, um, we're part of one big Catholic church, lowercase c. Very good. Josh, as the unity guy, what do you got? Yeah, I'm the avatar, the economical theologian. I'm trying to sure. stall, I'm thinking here. Okay, I think mine is going to be that people don't need to even agree about the Bible to have unity because of the Bible. The Bible says in order to be saved, you need to confess with your mouth and believe that Christ is Lord. As someone who was once inerrant, I'm still inerrant-ish, inerrant light. I'm going to call myself inerrant light right now. Okay. Um, I think the Bible meant what it said there and that I don't need to believe the Bible to be saved. I need to believe Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Very good. TJ the Pentecostal. Yeah. So the Pentecostal church isn't all about dancing and screaming and yelling and jumping around. Those things do happen. But that's just a a little side product of loving God too hard. Loving God too hard. I like that, actually. I like that. Christian, Christian, send us home. There are, believe it or not, there are members of the SBC that can, are capable of thinking before they speak. What? I know. And can actually have a conversation with you. We're not always the people who are interviewed because mm. they're you know, more bombastic or they're going to say the things you want to you know, get that sound bite for and say that's, that's what all Southern Baptists believe. Mm-hmm. That there's quite the diversity in the Southern Baptist Church. You don't hear about it because there are some people who are way louder than others. For sure. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for sitting in on this panel. And thank you all for watching. And for those of you listening to this podcast episode later this summer, thank you for listening. You can find all of our shows over at the Anazao Ministries Podcast Network website, Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter. There's a playlist on Spotify and Apple. Apple Podcasts, too? Apple Podcasts, you can follow the whole channel. Apple but it's not its own okay. feed. I don't okay. Uh, but for sure on Spotify. We got that on Spotify for sure. If you want to hang out with me more, again, my show, this is My Seminary Life, Facebook, Instagram, at My Seminary Life Pod. If you ever have a question, comment, complaint, limerick, poem, you can send it to me at emailseminarylife at gmail.com. Again, that's emailseminarylife at gmail.com. Thank you all for watching and listening. Thanks again, bros. This has been great. And remember... Theology is for everyone, so keep on studying. And now I guess we just stall until Josh is off of his phone to go end the live stream. <laughs> Da-da. Bring the Muppets out and they'll dance for us. 